Welcome to the Executive's Lounge. This is your podcast host, Christine Fauner. We are officially in season two, where we focus on redefining leadership, one amazing story at a time. Let's get started. In this episode, we cover a few tough topics, such as death, loss, and depression. Please listen with care. Amy Sakowitz is the Senior Sales Director at Honey Stinger. If you're an athlete, an outdoor adventurist, or someone that just loves energy snacks when you're working out, then you probably already know Honey Stinger. I fell in love with Honey Stinger personally when I was training and participating in multi-day mountain bike stage races. If you don't know what those are, that means that I get on my mountain bike and basically ride every day for multiple days. And I try to not lose, I guess, is a better way to put that. And I also just got back from a four-day hike in Havasupai Falls, Arizona, and these things were clutch when I started light packing and I needed to have snacks in between those meals. I talk about Honey Stinger because that's that's how Amy and I got connected, is that I've been a fan of Honey Stinger for many years, and when I learned her story, I had to share it with you guys. So let's get back to me introducing you to Amy. So this podcast is all about her story and telling her story. And I want you guys to learn and know the amazing woman that's behind the sales of this business. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, I know that you're in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and but you come from a long career in leadership that's really kind of taking you all over the country where where does this all start? I was born and raised in a suburb of Chicago, raised in a blue collar family. All, you know, my entire family were union plumbers or worked for my grandpa or ran the business. From there, went on to college at Iowa State, kind of started making my way around the country after that. So um, I was lucky to jump in with Nike early in my career and um, in sales. And so when you go sales, you start to move. Yeah, Chicago, Kansas, Pittsburgh, Dallas, New Jersey, Portland, and then Steamboat. It's been a journey. Oh, I should say in there, we actually were Steamboat, and then we moved to LA for a little bit, and then back to Steamboat. You know, you talked about your home roots back in Chicago, and that you were really, I mean, you're, you entered a very male-dominated, very kind of sales-driven career this entire time, what made you so driven? And like, how did that manifest when you were younger? Yeah. So, you know, I was raised by a single mom. Um, She worked three jobs as I was growing up. And, um, you know, right in high school, you jump right into a job, like I think my senior year. As my life progressed even, you know, into my career, there's, you know, it was very male dominated. I was started there in 1995, (laughs) aged myself. Um, So 1995. You're in good company. uh, Yes. uh, the mixed men to women was not uh, huge. There was footwear was really the dominant um, industry for Nike apparel was just coming on in a strong way. It just happened to be a very dominated uh, male dominated field. Um, And I was fortunate. I had some amazing bosses that saw potential in me, some female leaders and some, um, you know, male and uh, just really believed in me and kept me moving um, with new opportunities. So, but it's, I think in that you just have to, I realized early on that I just had to um, have a confidence voice and, um, and I do, I believe so much there's like, I have to, I set goals, 
when I said work hard, stay positive, those are my three just core values that I work, that I, I put in my work and my life. Right. So I've always set goals early on. I set goals as a kid where I, when I left for college, I, you know, I wrote a couple things on a piece of paper. I went to Iowa state. I got a fashion merchandise degree paid for my education. Um, I wanted to cheer. And again, I didn't come from, you know, my mom was working three jobs. So I wasn't the one that was, he wasn't running me to gymnastics and all these different dance classes. So when I got to college, you know, I was fortunate. I worked hard. I made the team. So I cheered through college for that. And again, worked hard, but I had set those goals. I just had made a note, like, I want to do this, you know, even getting in with Nike. Nike's not an easy company to jump in with. Great brand, great company. Um, you know, I had it's competitive to get in there competitive. Yes. And I knew that I wanted to get in. Um, you know, I knew I liked the sports and sports and outdoor industry. And so, you know, transitioned into a job right out of college in a buying office in, in Chicago area, and then had an opportunity to interview with Nike and, you know, was, was psyched. And at that point too, you know, you're young the first thing you say is I'm mobile, you know, I can go and I can move anywhere, whatever the opportunity was. So you have to be willing to have the courage to take those opportunities. But again, I, so that's how you ended up moving quite a bit is you would say, ah, there's this opportunity for promotion. I'll do it. Cause I'll move. Yes. Yes, I did. And that was, you know, Chicago where I started with Nike. Again, I had a a boss at that point was like, Hey, Amy, somebody in Michigan just went out. I didn't even move anywhere. They just said, here's a rolling rack, go to Michigan for three months and tour and then come back. And then, Hey, Amy, now there's something in Kansas that's permanent. So they sent me there. And after a year, they're like, okay, we need you in Pittsburgh. So then they sent me to Pittsburgh and in Pittsburgh, my husband and I both worked for Nike and we got married. We met each other through Nike. We met each other in Pittsburgh or in Nike? We actually, we actually met each other in Chicago. Then we did, um, we got married and he did footwear and I did apparel. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And I think you and I talked about that. That's just also your career lines too. And Mark and I were, you know, we both had really good jobs in Pittsburgh. He had an opportunity that was in Dallas. You know, we said- Yeah, I do remember talking about this because we talked about when yeah. two people are very career focused how do you make decisions for somebody's career without feeling like it's a sacrifice for the other? You know, it's definitely something you have to navigate and you have to be, um, you definitely have to have a team mindset for it, right? And, um, you know, I was fortunate. Mark was very much like he knew that my career was important to me as well. So in all the moves, we I was able to stay with Nike. And again, I had, I had a good reputation of working hard and getting after it and being a strong salesperson. So the move to Dallas, I jumped into an account there, which was, you know, at JCPenney's, it was kids apparel and it was the largest kids apparel account at that point at Nike. And so, you know, he had an opportunity to advance. They put me into something. And then the same thing with New Jersey, you know, he had to uh, moved that way. And so I jumped in with an account there. So we really took all of our moves together. And Nike was very supportive of that new, and I appreciate knew the value that I brought as well as Mark. And then we ended up at corporate, um, which is Portland. Um, Mark at that point was traveling quite a bit back to um, the East coast. Again, it was like juggling. We had our first baby, you know, it was like trying, then all of a sudden you have another layer in there. Again, well, I think it's like, how do you start managing all the demands of career, marriage, family, Yes. Your partner's needs, your needs. 
Yeah. You know, it's hard. I would say good family and friends around you. Um, you know, my daughter, I was fortunate we would get on planes and she would come with me and I would drop her at the in-laws or I'd drop her at my mom's or my sister's. And, you know, I had some people that were in Portland that were dear friends as well that would let me bring her and they would hang with her because most of the time, Mark and I were both at the same meetings together. So it wasn't like he could be home and I like, we would probably similar timing of meetings. So we, it's a juggle and it's, um, and it's stressful. But again, I think if you work as a team, you just, you make it, you make it work. He knew that my career was important to me as well. So we, you know, we had that, um, that commitment to each other in, you know, mm-hmm each other. And I apply it now even back into leadership, but like things that how you raise your kids and how you lead in a situation, it's, there's so many synergies. I think that it's, uh, it's fascinating as I get older and kind of start to tie all those things together. I say, if you're successful at work, you can take it to your kids and vice mm-hmm. versa. It goes both ways. Whatever works at home works at work and whatever works at work can work at home. Absolutely. You know, as we went from stage to stage, that was a big part of just taking, uh, you know, our team approach to kids and work and all of that together. Both of us were traveling. It does get hard and stressful and, you know, tried to use what I had built over the last, whatever, at that point, I think I had been with them seven or eight years um, in sales, bring it to corporate um, and, and find a job that I didn't have to travel as much for a little while you know, and I think to have that pause and in, in a ton of travel was good for me and to, to anchor in. And again, you can say, you could look at that as two ways, like, oh, am I sacrificing not climbing the ladder on the sales side? But I would tell you, I learned so much, um, you know, sitting at corporate, you can still learn and grow in any environment. And I just knew at that point, like maybe I wasn't out climbing the ladder in sales, but an opportunity from an operational standpoint to learn and grow and value and get, you know, those tools in the bag for, uh, for future jobs as well. Well, I think one of the surprising things about doing this podcast, but also one of the valuable things is that we redefine leadership on here that, you know, when we talk about our careers and we talk about leadership, we're, we're not always talking about getting to the top the fastest or getting the biggest paycheck, the fastest, like what we're really talking about is how do I do something purposeful that I really care about and love my life, love my family, love my children, love myself, right? And I think it's that redefinition that takes some time for some of us that maybe didn't have those kind of mentors in our career times, right? Like I had to learn that later because the truth of it is for you to go from the field into corporate, you had this expertise that you were able to bring to home office that other people wouldn't have been able to have. And then you were able to also say, you know, I love climbing that ladder. I love accomplishing things, but I also love my child and I want to be home more. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think it's a balance and it, like you said, it's healthy. And I think it's, yeah, over time you grow in that. I know my mom worked a lot too. So I had always have this thing about my head, like, Oh, I have to work. I have to work. And you definitely have to find your mentors and the people that you see like, okay, they've, they've managed that. And I I don't know, you're probably there too. I, I just always like to learn and grow. Right. So it doesn't, I think the the best leaders are always these voracious learners that want to just keep learning. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like to me, I'm not like, I didn't need the title. It's like, but if I could shift into another job and you're learning a different aspect of, you know, the total industry, then you're smarter for it. And you can bring back more to teams as you, 
move forward. So, yeah. and I think that's how you become an expert is like, you want to be this voracious learner that learns these different aspects of business, wherever your opportunity is. And as you do that, you become more and more of an expert because you just keep the curiosity. To that curiosity, how did you get to Honey Stinger? It was with Nike. It was around 11 years and we moved to Steamboat. My um, husband was a, uh, was ended up as the president of Smartwall. So he had an opportunity here, moved here, VP of sales. And at that point I had, um, I was pregnant with our second daughter and I said, okay, I'm going to stay home for a little bit. And I took a couple years off, um, had my youngest daughter, uh, Mia. And after about, yeah, it was about two years. She's old enough to go to preschool. I was like, okay, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. And I just have to have something for me, right? Like I need challenges. I love my kids and I will make sure everything that they need is, you know, taken care of and they're supported. But I do think I parent better when I'm working because I believe that working gives me confidence, right? And it gives me the confidence to be a better mom and to be a better spouse or whatnot. So and at that point, I was volunteering a lot at the school. I was going to say, you're probably like PTA yeah. president. You were helping I with was, the Girl Scouts. You're on the soccer yeah. team. Like, yeah. I think <laughs> And it's funny because that point, Mark was like, okay, Amy, like you might as well go back to work right now because I think you're full-time <laughs> volunteering. Two gentlemen that they owned Honey Stinger at the time and um, another company called Big Agnes. I walked in and I was like, Bill Rich, like, can I just come in a couple hours a week? Like I get to drop Mia off now. Like I'll just sell for you. Like just, you know, I'll just see what, see what happens. And they were like, sure. Again, Mark was traveling a ton. So my time was, you know, limited. So I was there maybe three days a week and they were so supportive. I just was like, let, can I try and open accounts? Or like, you can open whatever you want. And I jumped in and with Honey Stinger, I opened all the major accounts, right? So <laughs> that mm-hmm. point it was Sports 30 and Dick's Sporting Goods and Roadrunner and Academy. I opened them all, right? And then I was like, oh, shoot, like now I actually have to. Well, there's have stuff to do now. To there's work to be done. <laughs> I know. So it was super fun. And I, I found it so challenging. I'm a sales girl at heart. We call that chasing the rabbit. You oh, love to chase the I rabbit. Love I love it. It's like the fun part. So I was chasing the rabbit and some people said I was chasing elephants and I was like, I'll take the elephants. Like I'll take the big ones. All of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I have to hire people. It was not part-time anymore. And, but it was super fun and did that for three years and really helped, you know, kickstart their business. There's been some great people in here that have continued the work. And then, um, so we had an opportunity at that point to move to LA. And so Mark shifted gears to a job in LA. And when I moved back to LA, this is what I tell people. I'm like, you should never leave a job on a bad note. Like I left Nike in very good terms, even Honey Stinger. It was like never in any bad terms. And um, so when I went back to move to LA, one of the gentlemen that I worked for at Nike was running their licensing business um, out of LA. And so he called me and said, Amy, you want to jump in? So I jumped back in with Nike. Some of my favorite, favorite people. And then I give that manager, my manager, John at the time, so much credit. He basically took me and said, I said, okay, do you want me to do like sales manager? He's like, no, I want you to like run all the strategic accounts. All of a sudden I had like 10 reps and I was traveling the country and, and, uh, and I was again, very fortunate at that point, Mark and I had such a good partnership in our in our professional lives that he always was supportive. And he got into the job in LA. He did it about a year and he's like, eh, I think I'm ready. Like he wanted to be done. He had a goal to be done at 50. 
and the way that um, it laid out, it was like, he was just close to 50 and he was like, I'm going to call it. And he's like, you go. He was like running. He was able to shift to some family stuff. He did. He was like, you know, my turn. He was so excited to be able to like be home with the girls. Like Olivia was in, she was in her junior year and Mia was in fifth grade. And, you know, I had, you know, he was like, wow, I get to, he was running Mia around to soccer and he was grocery shopping and he was doing laundry and, you know, here is this guy who was the CEO and he just said, no, it's like, I want to, I want our girls to be able to see what you do. And if that's your passion. So I was just fortunate to have this really supportive um, partner. When your partner gets to also give himself permission to have family time and to enjoy those small moments that you're going to have with your kids that you're not going to get back. Like they're just going to keep growing for for him to be able to shift and say, career aside, I want to prioritize family and I want to see you soar. And that allows you to give yourself the permission to soar. I was very fortunate that we had that balance and he, and he did. And it was like, I saw just as much of a gift to him because like you said, he, he's like, I want to, I want to be able to take them to soccer. I want to be able to like, you know, go to parent teacher conference and do all the things. Now he definitely wasn't PIC president, but he, (laughs) he was, he was enjoying life. You got to draw the line somewhere, you know, my youngest daughter is a mogul skier. And she was like, I want to get back to it. My oldest one was going to be a senior. So she did her senior year here. Um, and then my youngest jumped back into skiing and uh, I stayed with um, the Nike licensee and about a year into it, our world stopped. Mark had had a heart occurrence when we were in LA on his bike. I'll get emotional. And um, we moved back and he was on a bike ride. He was on a hundred mile ride and he had a heart attack and they lost him. So it was, I'll get upset. It was a hard, hard go for sure. At that point, that's when you realize, you know, houses, jobs, all of that. I mean, just doesn't matter. Yeah. As your, as your world stops, you know, my daughter was the youngest was 13. Oldest was 19. Um, You know, we were in the middle of COVID. It was August 1st, 2020. And he was 51. You know, not what you expect. He was a elite athlete. He had started, there's a race in town. Healthy. Very healthy guy. Very healthy, very healthy man. Um, You know, it's just, um, you don't know. You don't know what's in front of you in life. And I think that's probably when, you know, we started out, I was talking to you about resilience and, you know, you need resilience in life. You need to work. You need it with your kids. The first year you don't, uh, I mean, you just can't even look two feet in front of you. Right. And so I stopped working my boss again, everybody was so amazing in this community. And, and I said, you know, I can't even come back because I was traveling so much. And again, I, I know my priorities are priorities. Like girls are number one, right. Our kids are number one. And we've always stayed focused on that. And um, so I, you know, took a time out and I sat And I, it was about 18 months that I just, you know, you just have to sit in it. You have to absorb it. I think that can feel really scary to say, you know, I am not going to avoid, I'm going to step into this, give my kids what they need, give myself what, what I need, but also sit in how hard this really is. I think that is more resilience in that than pushing forward. 
you know, the people who inspire me, the people who, you know, at that minute, it's crazy what your mind does in trauma, right? When in that year, I would tell you, I, I couldn't watch television, which is such a great, you're just like, oh, it's just on. I couldn't, like, I just, my, my brain wouldn't process it. It would definitely mess with it. And um, I read a lot. I just, for me, I somehow found reading. And then the crazy part is maybe just close to a year into it, I, I started to, I would tell you the first book someone handed me, and I think I told you was option B, Sarah, um, Sheryl Sandberg, and then um, Adam Grant, right? Yeah. And that was my introduction to both of them. Cheryl's voice in it was, it resonated with me. Soothing. I'm, yes, I'm a glass half full girl. So, you know, people could hand you books on grieving, books on processing, her tone, her approach, it was real. It was honest. She is a, obviously a strong woman. Um, and she showed her weakness, her, you know, fear, all of it. And then she had young, young kids. So it resonated with me. She has, a, she does have a quote in there about resiliency, you know, is towards the end that just struck a chord with me. And it really, it's, it's, it's where you get to. And funny part was, I feel like Adam Grant, somehow I was watching his stuff or reading it. And it led me to Brene Brown, mm-hmm. which led me to, she has um, some great podcasts on leadership. And so all of a sudden my mindset, obviously trying to get through the grief, but where it got back to is just how is building my courage back up. Right. And it get, gets back to that. That's how you move forward. And and listening to her leadership style and how she presents it and different components of it. And, and that brought me to like, randomly, I signed up for this. It was a women's leadership class. Yeah, it was right. emotional intelligence and innovation. Doing that work in that course just kind of helped ground me again into like yeah. who I am. Like, I can do this. This is, this is like, I'm still here. I'm, you know, I still have some things that you know, Mark believed that he wanted me to accomplish for myself too, in addition to my kids. And so along the long story and how I came back to getting to Honey Stinger was that like that journey, you know, everything that had happened led me back to, I wanted to work, you know, ended up back in my second round with Honey Stinger. Um, Again, great people here and based in Steamboat, which again is so close to my heart. So now we're, I'm at that next phase of building, um, you know, helping to build the brand with this team here. And, um, and you know what I, I love in it is my girls see it. Right. And they know that, you know, it's scary and I don't always know the answers and we're juggling this together. My, my old, my youngest right now is 16. We have a great relationship. We communicate. She's, I don't know, she's an old soul. It's the best I can say it. Like we don't, we just, we coexist very well together and we communicate and she is supportive of me doing things for me. And I make it to all her mogul comps. And I told her I have commitments to that too. That's important to me to watch yeah. her. Grow but she's way. like, it's okay, mom, you can go. I know. Right. Right. And now I have another daughter who's like, I told you, she just graduated from college and she's living her best life in Manhattan got a job with Ralph Lauren and doing all the things that she's so worked hard to do. And, you know, she can feel her dad's presence in a lot of ways. They're both thriving and supportive and, you know, we're all finding our way one day at a time, but it's, it's hard. 
I think too, in that resilience and understanding that it's hard is that you don't always have to be strong and that the three of you together give each other permission to soar or to sit or to support or to be sad or, you know, that you, it's okay to be resiliently weak sometimes or resiliently sad or, but the resilience is what pushes you into um, yourself a little bit more, I think. It hundred percent. It's hard. Be mad, be sad, be whatever. I'm very much an advocate of feel what you're feeling and embrace it. And well, I think it's interesting that you brought this kind of full circle about redefining leadership and recognizing that your leadership is not just about your career or how you make decisions for your career. What leadership really is, is the way that we make decisions to impact and influence for the greater good. And that greater good can be for others. It can be for myself. It can be for the world around me. But but the idea that you were able to kind of come into this resilient space by looking at leadership and then saying, well, actually, this applies everywhere because I believe that we're all leaders, like all of us. We make all these, we make 2,700 decisions a day. We're all leaders. I think, too, when you start tapping into your leadership practice and what leadership really is, you realize it's about care. It's about love. It's about people. And when you realize that, you learn all these skills and strategies for how to navigate it. Yeah. Yes. It's, and it is you, I think the more that you work with people in leadership, reading how people take in information, how they process it, um, all of that is just oh, it so becomes cool. so fascinating. You go down these beautiful rabbit holes of speaking of chasing rabbits, right? Like you go down these beautiful rabbit holes of like, well, I'm going to go neuro neuroscience today and I'm going to go cognitive tomorrow and I'm going to go behavioral here and I'm going to go emotional intelligence over there. Like there's so many facets. Yes. And I think that awareness in leadership now, it's, it's not going to ever go back to the other way. And I think that's the, I'm hopeful that we all just continue to evolve. Through. Well, I think like these stories are what get, like when we collect these stories and we collectively tell them, these stories get louder. And the other stories, I hope, the toxic stories, the harassment stories, the unhealthy stories, I hope those just become less and less. That's my Pollyanna altruistic yeah. hope is that these stories, as we lift them up, they become the norm. I believe we can manifest that. That's Let's right. Let's do it. I'm incredibly grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, for sure. And uh, hopefully again, we'll talk soon. We were connected. One of them, the people is Nate Bird, who works with me. And Shout he, out to Nate. Thank you. This was such an awesome connection. Nate like crushes it. And he is like insane salesperson. He's got two little kids, twins that are six and he balances life well. Thanks for joining us today in the Executives Lounge, where we bust open the doors, slam through the ceilings, and make sure that we have a spot at the table and that we are the lounge. I am Christine Fauner, your executive leadership expert, continuously looking for those executive leaders that seek community, continuous learning, and have a desire to find the next adventure. Join us next time. Join our Facebook group, Roam Your Soul. And you can also find us on Instagram at Roam Your Soul. And don't forget to check out the website for upcoming adventures, www.roamyoursoul.com. And if you're looking for that next executive level 
leadership coach, you can find me at roamyoursoul.com slash Christine Fawner Coaching.